ability to wear shorts. But let me make it more formal for you, at least. I could take off my hat. That would be nice. I didn't shave because I wanted to... I knew the Catholics were going to be here. I wanted to look as much like St. Francis of Assisi as possible. Just birds landing on my shoulders. So... Uh, Forgive me. And I, and I think like I bridge a good divide here, a good gap, because I, I was a church kid, a, li- a little, well, I was never really little, but I, I was a church kid, and then things happened, I'll cry, because I'm a baby. You know I'm a baby already, it's okay. Uh, and then things happened, and I, I walked away uh, for a little bit of time. And now I'm an old man. So I could speak to everybody here. Old men, little kids, it's good. You're a little kid, it's okay. Um, I just want to first of all say what a blessing to be here together. Thank God for the time that he's given. Uh, Thank God for everyone who's here. It's been just a blast being with everyone and seeing everyone be with each other. To me, that's like a, a view. Like if you stand back and just look, it's a view that... Sometimes only God gets to see relationships being made and people just sitting in quiet and talking. And, and to me, uh, it's, it's been a blessing. And uh, the biggest blessing is having my family here just for everyone. Just to give you a little background, I told you uh, about me. But when, sorry, I'm, I should have told you. But when Jenny and I uh, got married, Jenny was a, a Catholic as well. And um, there were times where Jenny said, don't. Talk to me about it anymore. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear you talking about it. Leave me alone. And it's only God who could take my rough and tough Brooklyn, hard-headed, thick-skinned lady and turn her into uh, this wonderful woman in front of me and my beautiful family here. And it's only God that makes that possible. So if you think you could put up your dukes and, and battle it, you, you maybe can for a little but you'd be really, really smart just to say, I give up, I surrender. So I was listening to this story, and uh, it was a very good story, you know, story of, uh, let me get in front of you guys, story of a, of a beautiful young couple, a married couple, of course. We'll name them Pat and Gwen. And um, they were so in love when they were first married. It was, it was beautiful. And this is a story of this like southern sweet America love. And this was before pickup trucks were cool. Like pickup trucks are so cool now. This was before and, the, and all they had was a bench and no back seat and beautiful, beautiful, beautiful truck. And, and they loved it. That was their truck. And when they were young and in love, they'd be right next to each other on that bench, sitting right next to each other, close, loving up on each other. And then time goes by and things happen and they have a, a, a beautiful baby. And that baby ends up in that middle and they're living life and they're loving it. Of course, the baby's strapped in. I don't want to offend anybody. And they're loving it and their family is growing and they've got like this beautiful, beautiful family now. And, and, and time goes on and they're living life and, and the baby becomes a grown-up and the, the baby's gone and... And they're still in that pickup truck. It's, it's his pickup truck. And uh, the, the, the woman now is staring out the window, just thinking about the time that has gone by. And, and, and the man is still in that driver's seat. And he says, what's the matter, honey? 
And the lady goes, I just, I just feel like we're so disconnected. We're so far apart. And he looks over at her and he says, I sure as heck haven't moved. So, uh, so I sure, I sure as heck, forget it. I haven't moved. He couldn't move. He's driving. Who moved? The question here is who moves? Who moves? Isn't that our relationship with Christ? We start hot and heavy. We start all about it. We start everything is going to be roses from here on out. And then all of a sudden, years go by and moments go by, and we end up saying, I just feel disconnected. I, I, feel, I feel removed. And I got a question. We've been asking questions. I got a question. Who moved? Who moved? Let's pray. Lord, show up, Father. Help us from the youngest to the oldest. Father, help us. And uh, just tie us closer together and help us to walk with you, help us to battle the enemy, and Father, help us to cross that finish line. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, uh, and I'm sorry to sell you out. I'm selling out all my family members. This is so messed up. Let's turn to Genesis 2. Genesis 2. Talked a little bit about this uh, the first go. We're going to jump off from here. We're going to start here and then, uh, and then move. The question I'm going to ask is who moved? Who moved? Okay. Genesis 2, we know this story. We're not going to go line for line. We're going to start in in verse 8. And the Bible says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put man, he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we're going to look at verse 15 and the Bible says and the Lord took the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Now, we were uh, reading around the table and Jason asked a very good question, a great question. It was one of those questions where like I was battling inside my head, do I do I just hope I'm getting this right. Do I show up and go like, I don't know, let me, let me pray about it and I'll get back to you. Like, did he stump me? I don't know what's good. It was a good question. And I got like defensive about it. I quickly, I jumped in there like, what are you talking about? But it was a, just a good question. He's like, that. It, I was just asking a question. The question was, couldn't they have left the garden? Like, it was before sin. Wasn't everything everywhere beautiful? Like, couldn't they have just left the garden and found some other places to go to? And I jumped on that, and I was like, well, like, yeah, I guess everything was perfect. I guess everything was out then, and I guess everything, I, I, guess, I guess they could have done that. But I jumped on, and I said, why do we always want to leave the garden? Why, from the start? Why do we, you have a garden. God's put you in a school. He's put you in a family. He's put you in a church. He's put you in a place. And we always say, is there something else? We always look to want to leave where God has put us. And we know what happens. Pastor talked about it. They're walking with God. And they want something more. It's not good enough. They've got to move. And it's never good when we make a move, we're going to go to 1 John. Let's go to 1 John. We've been moving since the beginning of time. So who moved? Probably us. 1 John. We're going to go to 1 John, and we're going to go to chapter 2. Now, I googled best chapter to read at a family camp, and this is what came up. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Relax, relax. 
1 John chapter 2. And the Bible says in verse 12, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. Let's go around again. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I write unto, uh, I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. So whether he's talking physical, probably not. Whether he's talking spiritual, probably. Whether, well, let's use both. He's going through and he's reminding them and reminding them of who they are and where they've been and how they've been forgiven and and how God has been there for them. He's reminding them over and over from the youngest to the oldest, he's saying in these verses. And then in the middle of this stirring of their minds, he turns and he says in verse 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So he's in the middle of reminding them who they are. And he stops and he says, get out of the world. Don't let it even infiltrate. And he gives you three things here. The lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And we're going to take a look at some examples of those movements. We're going to take a look at some examples of people who have moved. Let's go to Jonah, Jonah 1. Some of these things cross over. Maybe it's not just the lust of the flesh. Maybe it's the pride of life. Maybe it's both. Let's go to Jonah 1. Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. Jonah 1. We're going to read a little here from verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he had found a ship going into Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it. Always going down. He's fleeing from God to go with the enemy unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord to go with them. Sorry. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. So Jonah's got this mission and whether it's, let's call it, uh, let's call it the lust of the flesh. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Probably more like the pride of life. He's like, you want me to go there and risk my rep? You want me to talk to them about what? Forget it. I'm going the opposite way. But look what, look what happens when he has to go the opposite way. Look at what happens. Not only do they find him out, he has to vocally stand there and say, it was me. 
It was me. Not only do I believe in God, not only have I turned from God, but I put all your lives in danger. What a travesty. What a travesty. Because he was so caught up in what are they going to think about me? Let's look at Judges 16. Judges 16. Judges 16. Hang with me, Aaron. We're almost there, okay? Judges 16. Y'all have been uh, leaving water bottles around, so I, I, I promised them if they fall asleep in the front row that I'm just going to dunk on them. So thanks for leaving water bottles around. Okay. Okay, Judge, I've, Jonah reminded me I needed to go get my water bottles. Uh, Judges 16, here we are, here we are. This is a, a story about Samson. Count about Samson, none of it's story. It's an account about Samson. We know who Samson is, right? Let's look back. Let's look back. Uh, let's look at 13. Let's look at 13.3. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said to her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, and thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Uh, for lo, we're skipping to five. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of Philistines. Samson was supposed to be somebody. Let's look at 16.4. And it came to pass afterward that he loved the woman of the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Sounds like the lust of the eyes to me, lust of the flesh, mix them up in a pot. What is, I don't know, eat either or, what do you want to, and look at what happens. But the Philistines took him in verse 21 and put out his eyes. Oh my gosh, this deliverer, this deliverer ends up getting trapped up here in his eyes and then he loses them. Wow. Woo, poor guy. Now, what I, and that we all won't go through that, Lord willing. We all won't be in a situation where it's that big or that bad or that much turning away. I want to talk about one that's personal to me. If you would let me digress for a second. Let me talk about one that's personal to me. Let's look at Luke 2. And we talk about this. I mean, maybe it's just the way it is. I, I talk about Luke 2 probably way too often. Uh, I refer to Luke 2 in all reverence and all honor. I refer to Luke 2 as youth group Jesus. We, we always think about Jesus when he's, when he's a man. But there was a youth group Jesus in the Bible. Let's look at Luke 2. And we're going to look at 41. This one is a little bit more like me. Who moved? Who moved? Luke 2. Luke 2, 41, we're going to read through 49. The Bible says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, youth group Jesus, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, 
sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And, 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 and this is really, really more like me. Now, did Joseph and Mary turn from Jesus? Mm, it's not that, that clear. Joseph and Mary were trying. You see in 41 and 42, they were devout like churchgoers. They were, they were headed. They were there. They were, as it was the custom, they are heading up to Jerusalem. They are doing their best. Aren't we all? just doing our best. We're just trying to get to places and it's busy and there's chaos. We're just doing our best. That's what Joseph and Mary are doing. As they, and they didn't just go check in. They saw my face. We could bounce now. It's a long journey back home. No, they stayed. They fulfilled their days. They stayed the entire time. And then in verse 44, it says, they supposed him to be in the company. They must have been like freaking out with the, nobody's watching the dog. Like the mules have made a mess. I'm sure we've got to go home. We're just going to get going and everybody's going to follow us because life is busy and I got to get home and I got to attend to things. So I'm sure Jesus is back here. They lost Jesus in the middle of all of that because life got busy. So it wasn't a physical turn away, but they departed from the savior, the one they knew was king. Do we know he's king? And do we get so busy bawling and snapping that we forget and we just leave Jesus out of it? To me, to me, that's where I land. I don't often land in the crazy places that others have landed, that Solomon had landed. But sometimes I land in the busyness. Sometimes I lose Jesus in the busyness. And, and, and I know what a precious treasure I have. And I'm sure that they knew what a precious treasure they have. And they say, like, he's here. He's around. He's probably with them. And that's what we do, right? Like, it's okay. Like, okay, I missed that day, and I missed this day, and maybe I didn't read today. But he's here somewhere. He's got to be here. We'll find him when we get, because I got to keep going. So he's just here somewhere. Is that, is that what we do? And they're about a day's journey away. But what makes me crazy here is it says that they're a day's journey and that after three days, they find him. So they're a day's journey away, but after three days, they end up finding him. So maybe my math is off. Correct me if, if, if I need to be corrected. But it takes them a day. And then for two days, they're wondering, where is Jesus? They don't know where he could be. So now they're, they've lost him and they're like, where is God? Oh my, let's check the door. Is he at the gym? Is he? And they get to Jesus and he says on 49, how is it that ye sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business? Where is, where could he be? Where could he be? We'll go search again. We'll go search YouTube and see, is this good for me? We'll go search, we'll go search the, the person, my grandma. We'll say, what, my friend, tell me a little bit more. But we'll never go like, let me go to where I know he is. It takes us three days on a day journey to find Jesus. That's a shame. That's a big shame. And isn't that that my response in 48? In verse 48, I get there and I'm like, what happened? I was looking all over for you, Jesus. You, you, You let me down. 
I was hoping. I, I needed something and you weren't there. How could you not? Well, it's because it took me two extra days to find them because I didn't look at the place I should have been looking. Give me a break. Go back to the place. Now, now, so who moves? I can tell you one thing. In verse 49, it appears as though God doesn't move. It appears as though he's right where he's supposed to be. Let's look at Deuteronomy. We'll take it old school and then bring it to the new school. Let's go to Deuteronomy 30. We're getting there. Thank you. Thank you. I hope it was me. Whether it's me screaming at your face or telling you I'm going to dump water over your head, it don't matter as long as your eyes are open. Cool. Where's Deuteronomy again? (laughs) Okay. Dude, they're on to me. I'm running here. I'm running. Lost in the sauce. Deuteronomy 30. Let's take a look. Okay, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 30, verse 10. Well, let's back it up a little. Sorry. Um, In verse 8, no, in verse 9. And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand, in the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of the cattle, and in the fruit of the land, for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good, as he rejoiced over thy fathers. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in his book of the law, and if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul, for this commandment, which is commanded thee this day, it is not not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in the heaven that thou shouldest say, who shall go up? For us, and that's what. Let me digress. That's what religion wants us to do. Religious want religion. Plug in your religion. Wants you to climb a ladder to get to God. Wants you to scrape. Wants you to claw. Wants you to keep doing. Wants you to keep paying. Wants you to give a, a a suggested donation to play a piano at your wedding. But the suggested don. That's what religion wants. That's what religion wants. Not my savior. My Savior brought that to me. It is not far off. And it is so much closer than it was in Deuteronomy. So much closer. And in Deuteronomy, it's saying, I am not far off. Just keep the law. Just love me. Let's look at Ephesians. Let's take it to the new school. Ephesians verse 2. Sorry. Like a freight train, it's no good, but I don't really care, too. We're going to Ephesians 2.11. Okay, let's back up. Verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ. That promise back in Deuteronomy is this promise in Ephesians. Even when we were dead in sins and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace, only grace, nothing else, are ye saved through faith, the only faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, only God, not of works. I'm 
adding those words. Those are, I'm not reading in NIV, just saying. Uh, not of the works, lest any man should boast. For we are, but it changes. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that ye, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called on circumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens, foreigners, gone from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of that promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, but now, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. He stays right there. It never, he is always close. He is always in an arm's reach. He does not move ever. Never. So who moved? We move. In fact, God is immutable unchangeable, always there, never leaving, never forsaking, sticking closing than a brother, and ever present help in time of trouble. So if I'm to ask who moved, my likelihood is me. I'm the one who moved. God is still in the driver's seat, and I stand staring out the window going, I just feel so disconnected. Well, you moved. Get a little bit closer. Scooch up. Get under his wing. You moved. I moved. Let's do a little demonstration. Don't go to sleep now. I can see your eyes. Don't go to sleep. Now, now we're doing a little bit of a demonstration. It's going to be really hard for me, so I can't go on that. I got I to just wing it. Now, it's dark in here. It is really dark. And sometimes we move. And we end up in a place we should not ever be. And there are some people who never knew the way, the truth, and the life in that same place. Now, you might be crazy like me or have been forced to take a course. But I checked the exits before I got in. I know where they are. Some of you are nervous right now. Some of you don't know what's going on. Some of you are nervous. Some of you don't know where the exits are. But there are people in here who know exactly how to get out of this darkness. Exactly. And we move and we end up in places we should not be. And some of you may be looking around for the way right now. And that's okay, but it's a little too late. But you could look, it's cool, you could figure it out. But the problem is you're in darkness and there's a lot of other ways. There's a way over here, and it's got a keypad, and and I can't even get out. There's a false way I can't get through that door. And there's a way over here, and this way may say I can pull it on my own because it's got a handle, but you can't make it out on your own. You're in a dangerous, dangerous place, and you didn't check where the way out is. Now, I've got good news. I've got really good news. Am I shouting? Am I killing you? I'm sorry. I've got good news. There are people in here who know the way. We know the, and you're in danger. Our bodies are crazy though. Because some of you are like, you good, bro? Some of you, some of you are like, you might have been nervous when it got dark. Like, what happened? But our bodies are crazy, right? Because our eyes start to adjust, start to take in a little bit extra light, and we go, it's not so bad in this darkness. 
I could hang here for a little longer. That guy's crazy. He don't know what he's talking about. It's weird. It feels good. I could actually nap in here. I could actually, no, you cannot rest. There's danger all around you. And there are people here who are trying to show you how to get out. And I'm not the way. I can't get you out. I can't get you to the bigger light, but I could be a lower light. And I could say to you, I know the way. Follow me. It's all good. Don't take those doors. Follow me. Let's go out. We could point you to the way. We could point you out. Thank you, Aaron. We could point you out. What I'm saying is don't leave. Don't wander into the darkness. Know where the exits are. They're not moving. Those exits never moved. If you check them now, they're the exact same place we walked in. Those exits don't move. The, the, the safety never moves. We move. We end up in the darkness. And heaven forbid we don't go back to the way. We don't listen to the people who are saying, I know what you're going through. Follow me. I'll help you get to safety. I'm not the safety. He's not the safety. We're not the safety. The exit is the safety. The way, the truth, and the life. There's one angle to safety. That's it. So, geez, I'm going to have a heart attack. The Mayettas are very prone to camp injuries, if you all know, and we were very close to me dying out on that soccer field earlier, so that was a crisis averted. Um, So I've been lying, though, this whole time. I've been lying. I've been lying. Now, Now, God never changes, but he does move. He does. He moves. I'll show you. You want to to see? I'll show you. Let's look at Mark 5. Let's look at Mark 5. I've been saying this whole time that God doesn't move. He doesn't change, and I lied to you. He doesn't ever change, but he moves. Let's look at Mark 5. Like, 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 let's look at the maniac. The Bible says... Sorry, lied. The Bible says in Mark 4, verse 35, the Bible says, And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. For what? Why were they going? Where were they going? They met a man on the other side, and God moved to that man. There was a storm coming. He put everybody in danger. What? Yes, he moved to the man. And what happened to that maniac of Gadara? Released from his unclean demons. Amen. Praise the God. Okay, let's look at Luke 15. Let's look at Luke 15. Luke 15. Let's look at Luke 15, verse 20. And we know this one. We know this, don't we? We're talking about the prodigal son. We're talking about the prodigal son. And this is a good example. He leaves. He turns away from everything that his father has to give him. Everything. And he finds himself to the end of himself. And he goes back to his father. He makes a decision to go back. And look at what it says in verse 20. It's a picture of my Savior, my God. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran, and fell on his neck and kissed him. 
He made a move and God makes the same move towards him. So maybe God doesn't change, but God is always moving. He's oh, if you make the first move, he'll make the next. And that gap will get shorter and shorter and shorter till you are in his arms. He doesn't change, but he is always moving. And my, oh, let's, let's go back a little bit, a little bit to four, to four. Let's look at four. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? Is that not us? Praise God he moves. Praise God he stepped out. Praise him that while we were yet sinners, we were the one sheep and he decided, I'm going to make a move. He's never changed, but he has moved. Thank you, Lord. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And this is my personal favorite. I probably say it too much and I apologize, but too bad. Let's look at John 9. My personal favorite. My favorite picture of my Savior moving. John 9, shout when you're there. Amen. Amen. So we know what happens in this chapter. We know what happens. Jesus heals a man blind from birth. They question him rather than saying, holy smokes, this is amazing. We should probably go get a look at that guy. They question him who did this. They go to his parents. They ask them. And let's look at what it says in verse 34. The Bible says, if this man were not on God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto, that is not, that is Jesus to the man. When they cast him out, when they said, you're no longer with us, get out of here. You're talking to that crazy person. The Bible says that Jesus went to find him personally, individually. I am glad that I have a savior, that I have a God from the beginning of time has never changed. But from the beginning of time is always on the move, always looking for that one. So if you are off, If you are in a place you should not be, doing things you should not be doing, any one of us, whether it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life, or I'm just really busy, if we've turned, just make a move. Start to walk. Fight off the enemy. Fight off Amalek. Move towards him, and he'll move towards you. He'll be there with you. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, what are we doing? This is craziness. This is craziness. But I can tell you it's real. It's so super real. You're staring at a bunch of sinners who have so many various stories to tell. It's not my mommy and it's not my grandma and it's not my great grandma and it's not it's been handed down. That's not what this is. Every one of us has an individual story about I called a priest, about don't ever talk to me again, about I cried down and I I wanted the Savior to come to me. I wanted to know the real thing. Every one of us has an individual story. This is not vain, handed down from generation to generation. This is a room of individual people who have an individual relationship with God. If If you are off, if you have turned, just take a step and he'll come towards you. 
If you don't know him, take that same step and he'll come towards you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, Father, for the time. Thank you for just uh, being with us. And Father, I pray, Lord, and each and every one of us would just take a little step closer towards you. Just a little one. Just put one foot in front of the other. And Lord, if we take that little step, I know you'll take a step towards us as well. I know you'll come on strong, Lord, if we'll just turn our face towards you. So Father, if we know you but are playing around, Lord, I pray that we would just make it real. Just make it real. Just start with making it real, Lord, that each of us would just start with making it real. And Lord, just watch. Let us just watch. And Lord, if someone in here doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that all of these flashlights in a dark place would just point, Father, to you, to your son, to salvation through none else, through the only way, truth, and the life. I am the door, you said, Father, so let us just in a dark world point to you. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.